0: We have a pew Bible there. within reach, I'm going to turn to page 1169 to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, page 1169, Colossians chapter 3. Um, but I think I'll need to leave us in prayer again. Pray with me. Father, You have raised up your son and you have raised up to our utter surprise profound hope. We are not only longing for but we are looking for the healing of all things. Glory. The wiping away of tears. Comfort and robust liberty in your presence. We thank you that we now are in this, as Jonathan mentioned, earthly pilgrimage. We go on, but even here, with us is the spirit of your son And we have and handle share these heavenly things Lord please do this with us equip us for this shake forth and spread about the glory and the praise of your name by our hearing of it and our living in it. pray in His name. Amen. So we're we're working our way through the letter of Paul of Colossians in chapter 3 and there's a there's a way in which we're not just going verse by verse we're kind of going thread by thread. Each time as we take up a, a, a new section we're really bringing up how that is woven in with the other things. So well, I want to read the, the whole of this passage, um, 1 through 15. Um, our attention will be focused on verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Um, but that's high heavenly stuff, and we have to pick up speed, as it were, get to escape velocity by starting at verse 1. So, hear the reading of God's word for his people if he has sent his son to rescue the world if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is see at the right hand of God set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self for this practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, Appreciate you just keep the Bible open there on the, the seat beside you as uh, we'll be pointing back and forth in the context. Christian, here. The Lord Jesus is seated victorious in heaven, and your heart must be directed by his peace on earth. Paul commands your heart to be ruled by the peace of Christ. Jesus' victory speaks directly to your convictions and motivations. His peace not only speaks directly to your heart, it speaks directing your heart. This is more than the call to put your sins to death. This is more than the call to forgive and tenderly love other Christians. The peace of Christ is larger. Your heart has greater purposes these things are too grand for you as an individual, even too much for your own household together. To this great undertaking, Paul says, indeed you were called in one body. Christians here, the Lord Jesus has seen victorious in heaven, and your lives together are devoted to his peace on earth. The peace of Christ is your purpose. The peace of Christ's is the ambition, even the adventure of faith in the Savior. The peace of Christ is the rousing preoccupation of Christ's church. You are called to this. The peace of Christ is as fundamental to our existence as is the resurrection of your individual bodies and the unity of his body, the church. Our Christ is a conquering warrior. His victory establishes peace. You are called to live according to that peace in your individual lives and in your corporate life. Christians, listen. The Lord Jesus is seen victorious in heaven, and your lives together are devoted to his peace on earth. The way I'm speaking of Christ's peace may ring oddly in your ear. Paul here points to a very different direction than the calming of anxiety. Paul is not here underlying the peace of God which surpasses all understanding from Philippians 4. Yes, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But the peace of Christ here in Colossians 3:15 speaks not so much to protection as to direction. Your hearts are to be ruled by the peace of Christ. This congregation is to pursue the goals of Christ's victory. There is real peace on earth because Jesus sat down in heaven. The peace of Christ is your business because you are the trophies of his victory over sin and death and all power. Here, Colossians 3.15, Paul commands, hear it again. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. To cherish this command, you need to recognize that it is a hinge in the letter. I need to show you how it connects the has of the letter, how it turns the letter in a new direction. Imagine if you'd never seen a door before, and someone handed you a hinge. It's very sturdy. It's actually a kind of impressive piece of compact design. If you don't know about doors, what would you make of the three holes punched on the two leaves of brass or or steel or aluminum? You could see how it works. Uh, the long shaft or pin set between the interlocking tubes. You see how it works, how it moves. But if you don't know what a door is, then you really have no idea what it does. How does the peace of Christ work? How does it move your heart? What does this command do to you? Here is my summary. The Holy Spirit calls you To live by faith in Christ with royal ambitions and the loyalty of a thankful subject. This is what this command does. The Holy Spirit calls you to live by faith in Christ with royal ambitions and the loyalty of a thankful subject. First, this command is in fact a call to live by faith. In chapter 1 of the letter, Paul expresses his confidence about God's work in the Colossian church. In chapter 2, he debunked the empty deception of trying to be a good enough Christian. In chapter 3, he is summarizing the good life of faith in Christ. As we've seen before, as we've spoken with our own lips, even today, as God calls us, Paul uses Psalm 110, to exhort you to live by faith in Christ. According to Psalm 110, the resurrected Jesus is seated at God the Father's right hand as both a victorious king and a perfect priest. And Paul says to you, you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your mind on the resurrected Christ. So in verse 5, Paul commands you to, therefore, put your sins to death. Because in verses 9 and 10, you have put on the new man. His resurrection brings to you a new humanity. Like life from the dead. Set your mind on the Christ who is a priest. In verse 12, Paul repeats that word, therefore, which the ESV translates with them. And then he introduces the command of Jones, forgiveness, and love for your fellow troubled and sinning Christians. And set your mind on the conquering Christ seated victoriously. And Paul introduces a different command. Live as directed by the peace that ensues from his victory this rich three-part call to holiness and love and the rule of peace, this call is how faith shapes you when your faith is shaped by the gospel. These commands are not about knowing the right things and what you must do. These commands are about knowing Christ and what he has done and continues to do for you. You're not called to imitate the goodness of Jesus. You imitate how Jesus is good towards you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, cause you to trust in the Jesus who sits in heaven and works on the earth by his spirit. Coming to faith and living by faith are the same faith. All you need is in him, and you receive it all by needing and relying on him. Set your mind. His kingly office and royal accomplishment. And his peace will rule you. And his peace is a royal accomplishment. See how Paul's three sections expand? Uh, your sin, then the sin of other Christians, then what would be third, what would be next? He speaks of your body, then the body of Christ What would come next? What would be the third? The first section carefully grounds sin in your heart. It's acutely personal. And the second section, it piles up details on how other Christians are difficult, how you meet that. It's explicitly interpersonal. Christ is seated at the right hand as king of you, of the church. Then what comes next? When Paul says, and above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, what would pop that? What is the point of this third section of exhortation? Personal, interpersonal, royal. The point of the second command is simple live by faith in Christ with royal ambition. The peace of Christ rouses your ambition. Your wonderful king has won the war, and you want to see his peace extended and enjoyed. You want the goals of his bloody warfare accomplished, embellished, celebrated. He is one, and now he is wielding his power. What is he doing as Lord of all things? He is bringing Peace. His promises are fulfilled in peace. His commands don't bring tyranny and terror. He brings peace. When God brought Noah out of the ark, he commanded him, be fruitful and multiply. When he delivered Israel from bondage and conquered Canaan, he gave them the land of milk and honey and commanded annual feasts. When he rose from the dead and sinned at the right hand, he poured out his Holy Spirit on the church. What is your delight as a Christian? Colossians one13 to 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. How narrow or vast should be the kingdom for your Jesus? Colossians 1, 19, 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace By the blood of his cross. Should sin and folly and organized ugliness persist in any place that's under your hand or in your arms reach by his providence. Colossians 2.15 God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. Here is your royal ambition. As you delight in the victory, you want to obey all the direction and counsel and opportunity that comes to you in the peace of Christ. As you find comfort and dignity in his victory, you want to extend his peace. Yes, you want to live in holiness, repenting, growing, changing. Yes, you want to live in the bond of love with God's people, serving, forgiving, upholding. The peace of Christ will direct you to More. For Noah, the peace after the flood meant more babies, more people, more families. For Israel settled in the land, it meant clearing more cropland or pasture land. It meant establishing the cities of refuge to restrain the vigilante, blood feuds. For the believers at Pentecost, it meant Keeping up with the Spirit in Jerusalem, and then among the Samaritans, and then among the God fearing Gentiles, and then among the idol kissing Gentiles. The peace of Christ, his victory, worked out in blessing. It's pretty demanding. It will take you to the midst. Of all sorts of gifts, wondrous developments of mercy. The rest of Colossians shows you what the peace of Christ means for you, at least in, in a basic example suggestive way. And it really is quite a catalog. Coming attractions, we'll walk through these things. Marvel, and our mouths hang down the ground in weeks to come. But here's what's talked about next you being a people of word and worship together, that's what the peace of Christ directs you to. You speaking and acting, you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in your work or day, whatever, where I am world. You extending the peace of Christ in your homes and with people you depend on. You paying, excuse me, you praying persistently and watchfully, whatever you might see. And you praying for the spread of the gospel through workers like Paul. And also, this peace ruling you looks like day in, day out, careful attention to gracious communications with non-Christians. Also, it means encouraging your own elders and deacons to be faithful in their work. This is the door that is opened by let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You can correctly call this a list of Christian duties, but they are rightly called the activity of royal ambitions. The expectations and desires that come from confidence in this King, whose kingdom has redemption and the forgiveness of sins for you, for any. So, yes, this command, call to faith. Calls you to royal ambitions with the loyalty of a thankful subject. You are not the king. Um, An elder is not the king. Your session is not the king. They, you individually, you as a congregation, are subject to the king. The Holy Spirit calls you to live by faith. In Christ, with royal ambitions and the loyalty of a thankful subject, you know you may have ambitions for Christ's name, but Jesus may say, "No." Hear this from Paul's second missionary journey, Acts chapter 16, and they traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. It is the peace of Christ. He rules, he decides, sometimes he forbids. You are his subject. This is why. The single most significant activity Of royal ambition is prayer. We ask, we plead, we put our ambition for his glory in God the Father's ear. Yes, we should look for opportunities. We should be thoughtful, even bold and strategic in words and deeds. But as the subjects of the victorious king, we should most naturally be directed by the peace of Christ into continuing, persistent, earnest prayer. I assure you, and if you think about this, you know this, God's people have been praying for the conversion of the Muslim world for centuries. I, for my part, one of my... Yes, I want to do that little dance, because I'm looking for the day that the next great systematic theology about the Lord Jesus is written in Arabic, and I have to find some scholar in English to give it to me. That only by prayer, but as a subject of this victorious King wanting his peace to overflow you are heard. And, and our obedience to the peace of Christ is to be not only submissive but also specifically thankful now thanksgiving occupies a large part of this letter a large part of chapter 1 of Colossians and now starting here At 3.15, and there's not much left in the letter, it's commanded three times. Again, in this command, let the peace of Christ rule. The Holy Spirit calls you to live by faith in Christ with rural ambitions and the loyalty of a thankful subject. Thanksgiving is very much the sound of faith. And it is faith in your saving king that stirs up these royal ambitions for Christ's glory. Thanksgiving is one side of coin. The other side it reads, enjoy. You give thanks for what you enjoy. I don't mean in the ice cream or lazy day off way. No, enjoy means to benefit from something. Well epitomized in our catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Ice cream and a lazy day off are, yes, they're gifts from Christ to His people, but we must seek to enjoy His more glorious benefits. His acts of providence, where His peace shines out as we are present and doing and serving. You give thanks for things that gladden your heart, things that you hold as a gift given to you with your name on it. In addition to cultivating our practice of prayer, cultivating a real gladness in the Lord is a chief way to become ruled by the peace of Christ. It isn't just that faith marvels at Christ and desires his full sway in the world. Yes, that certainly is how this command is faith showing itself in works. Thanksgiving is more than that. Thankfulness not only enjoys God's gifts, thankfulness is impressed specifically with God's attentive generosity. Faith engaged in thanksgiving is better prepared to pray expectantly. It's better prepared to speak and act wisely with outsiders. In the first 15 verses of chapter 3, Paul is building up this very compact, memorable, rich description of the Christian life. And as he were, he crowns it. As it were, he spreads this banner over it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that calls you to faith. That calls you to this ambition for his glory to show up in his peace. calls you to do all of this with a loyalty. And that may seem obvious, but you need to realize that fundamental to obeying the peace of Christ is a loyalty to the king himself. In many ways, the foothold for the false teaching in chapter 2 was not just the folly of, quote, being a good enough Christian. The foothold was also the suggestion That the peace of Christ was not respectable enough or impressive enough. It didn't have the spiritual bells or the religious shine. It didn't fit with the wisdom and refinement of the day. If the church wanted to spread something, if the church wanted to start something, well, maybe the Christian advertising should abandon that image of a bloody Jew executed by Roman power. Maybe the whole exclusive loyalty to Christ alone can be temper, somehow. Yes, one way of many ways, and definitely the most profound, that the best people will choose when they reflect deeply. In our own day, many are saying that the Christian church must change its teaching and practice about sex and marriage, or resign itself to losing any influence over coming generations. In many places, the substance of worship and the frankness of basic instruction has been thinned out and sweetened up in order to ensure relevance and plausibility in the eyes of our society. People have made agreement with BLM or MAGA, bumper stickers of Christ's kingdom, directly or indirectly, they suggest that the peace of Trump or the peace of Biden or the peace of Elon should rule your hearts. Authentic Christians, the Christians who will be on the right side of history, need to join up with the good guys and ride in on their coattails. No. We must be loyal to the king who bought peace with his own blood. Peace can only be what matches the king. We don't want peace. We only want the peace of Christ. He is the Savior. We pray for His kingdom to come. We must persist in loyalty to Him. Our only peace is His peace. Our hearts must be ruled by it. We must be ruled by Him. We must be His subjects. We must be loyal. We must be thankful. We must be ruled by the peace through which He died and rose. Christian, here the Lord Jesus is seated victorious in heaven, and your heart must be directed by His peace on earth. The extending of that peace is the business of each of you. Let it rule your hearts. You may think of yourself like the widow's two pennies. She gave them to the temple of the God of the universe who came to dwell with her. You give your hearts and prayers and days to the victorious king who became like you, that you might have life and honor. The peace of Christ is to rule your heart as well. Which neighbors can you love? Which missionary in which corner of which country will be on your refrigerator in your repeated prayers? This royal ambition it rises up directly from reverence for your king. And when I speak of each of you with royal ambition remember you were called in one body to this. This is a business that can only be done by us together. This is how the Lord Jesus works out his victory from heaven by a spirit through his body. As the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, we should expect that our hearts fit together that in ways our hearts demonstrate a a singular choreography, all obeying the same peace, in the same body, for the same king, that we would have a real oneness of mind. Christians here, the Lord Jesus is seated victoriously in heaven, and you're alive together, are devoted to his peace on earth. Oh Lord, you've seen your son. You've sent his scepter. Fill your word, as it is the word of your Son.